We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The game's on the line. Fourth and three. Romo's back. He's in trouble. Trying to escape. He's got to throw it. He does. It's incomplete. And Washington wins. Unbelievable win for the Washington Redskins behind the third-string quarterback, Colt McCoy, who comes back to Texas victorious. Tommy, do you remember that? Do you remember when your son pulled off the upset on Monday Night Football in Dallas? Yes, I do. I remember that was one of those. It wasn't quite a shock and awe moment, but it was pretty close because that was after the Tennessee game where he came in uh, halfway through the Tennessee game the week before. Exactly. And 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 led them to a win, and he was so emotional at the post-game press conference, that that was it. It was love at first sight. That was the moment? Yeah, I remember that. I forgot. (laughs) That was the moment. Do you know what I forgot in watching this highlight is Colt McCoy was number 16 that night. He would later wear number 12, but for some reason he was number 16 on that particular night. I think what happened was Kirk was was initially 12, and then went to eight, and so McCoy went back to 12. I think that's what happened. Whatever. Um, That game was one of the biggest upsets uh, in the history of the rivalry. Washington was a 10-point underdog. They are a 10.5-point underdog tomorrow. It's not the biggest upset in the history of the rivalry. I'll get to that in a moment, but Washington won the game 20 to 17 in overtime, and it was another one of those where, you know, Skins and Cowboys fans just scratched their heads and said, "Can never figure this thing out." You know, yeah. it's just whenever you least expect it. So, maybe, maybe tomorrow Washington can pull off something big, although most of you don't even want it. Um, the show, as always, presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com for a great deal on new windows before winter arrives. Uh, one of the reasons I picked that highlight to come in on is 
Washington has been a big underdog at Dallas many, many times over the years. But there are two memorable wins. That was one of them as a 10-point underdog. Uh, But did you know, Tommy, that the single biggest point spread upset in the history of the NFL's regular season was Washington led by Heath Schuler in 1995 going down to Texas Stadium as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog and winning the game outright 24 to 17. That is the single biggest point spread upset in the history of the NFL. I don't know if you knew that or maybe the listeners knew that. The biggest upset ever in the history of the NFL is Super Bowl three, point spread wise. Uh, the Jets were right. 18 point underdogs. Right. 18 point underdogs to the Dolphins. But I, I I didn't know that about the Heath Schuler game. That's a good story. Yeah, that big... would have been that, that might be a good story. For the next time these two play. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. That's a, that's a column. Maybe Sam. Yeah, the next the next time who plays? Heath Schuler against the Cowboys? No, the, Cow- I know. the Cowboys and, and, and Washington. But that's, a, that's pretty good. That's a good get. I didn't know that. Yeah, there, there have been several 17-point dogs to win, but Washington is a 17-and-a-half-point dog that day, the biggest point spread regular season upset. And Heath Schuler was not a good NFL quarterback. The weird thing about that particular season is that was a Barry Switzer Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl season in 1995. That was the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl was the 95 season, you know, the 96 uh, Super Bowl that year. Washington swept them. Washington swept the Cowboys that year, um, beating them at home 27-23 to with Gus Farad at quarterback as a 13-point underdog early in the season and then beating the Cowboys as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog. Boy, that must have been so sweet for North. Oh, my God. Turner. It's huge that for North. That must have been so satisfying for him. So satisfying. Yeah. In fact, at the very end of the show, I'll tag a highlight from that game. Uh, at the very end of the show, you'll hear a Heath Schuler touchdown pass and maybe some Summerall in Madden from that game back in late 1995. I mean, the skins were going nowhere. I mean, Norv was in his second year that year. They went 6-10 and ten in his second season. And that was the year, really, that was it for Heath Schuler. Um Schuler just wasn't going to be the guy, and the guy they took in the same draft in the seventh round, Gus Farratt, became the guy for them yeah. uh, moving forward. And and Schuler, Schuler just was not a very good quarterback in the NFL. Never one of. I mean, I think it's the single biggest bust draft pick in the history of the franchise. I don't think there's a close second, even though we've we've talked a lot about bust picks in recent years. But um, that no, was you're right. That's yeah. It. That's that's number one, and meanwhile, Gus went on to have, I think, a fourteen-year NFL career it was, with a lot of different teams, a lot of different yeah. teams. Yeah, Gus Farratt had good one, Tommy. He had a fifteen-year um, NFL career. Fifteen all right? years. Fifteen wow. years in the NFL. <laughs> Played for Washington, played for Detroit, actually uh, was the quarterback for Detroit in a playoff game in Washington against Brad Johnson um, and the Skins. He played in Denver. He played in Cincinnati. He played in Minnesota. He played in Miami. He played in St. Louis, and then he finished back up in Minnesota. 
Uh, so Gus Farratt That's had good for a seventh round draft pick from Tulsa. Made one Pro Bowl for Washington in 1996. That following year, he uh, he went to the Pro Bowl. That was the year they started seven and one. The final year at RFK, and then missed the playoffs by losing a game late in the season at Arizona against the Cardinals, uh, which was a crushing defeat because it was all setting up that year in '96 for Washington and Dallas to play in the season finale in the final game at RFK for the division, which would yeah. give Washington another chance to play a, a game at RFK. But they lost the week before that at Arizona on a Kevin Butler field goal after a penalty. I think it was a Romeo Bandison penalty. Extended a drive when the game looked over. Wow. And um, and they ended up losing to the Look Cardinals. You. You're really flexing well, your muscles this morning. Well, I, you know what? That season, that season was the season where it looked like we're back. You know, it had been, you know, that was Norv's third season. We had had the Richie yes. season. We had 94-95 with Norv. And then all of a sudden, in 96, they're 7-1, and one, you know, at the halfway mark. And yeah. they, ha- they did not have a good defense that year. Their defense was not very good. Um, but they lost twice that year to the Cardinals, who were quarterbacked by Boomer Esiason. Um, at least the first game was, was Joe, Boomer Esiason. Was, I think was, somebody was else. Was Google the coach in was the Cardinals then? Good question. I, I don't. I don't think so, Tommy. I don't okay. think so. I'm going to look that up right now. Because Bugle didn't last long. Remember? He no, did. he didn't. Um, Vince Tobin no, was the head coach. He probably was not. Vince Tobin was the okay. head coach. Yeah. Um, and in the uh, yeah, Boomer Sison quarterback the first game against Washington and threw for over 500 yards at RFK Stadium. Uh, in a win, and there was another. There was a holding penalty on a field goal that was missed or, or made, and then a field goal got missed. And they they had a chance to beat the Cardinals twice, but penalties killed them in both of those games, and that ended up being the the decider in a season that ended without the postseason and ended in that game, uh, final game at RFK against the Cowboys. They crushed the Cowboys. The Cowboys had nothing to play for, but right. um, that would have been special. That was fair. I was there, too. I, that would have been a special, special day. It was already a special day, the last day at RFK. It was a very memorable day. It was yes. bittersweet, though, because it really could have been for high stakes. It could have been for the division, uh, and it was not. Uh, anyway, Heath Schuler getting us down the path of Washington Cowboy uh, history and even a little bit of Washington and Arizona Cardinal history. How about that? You didn't expect that when you tuned in to the podcast today. Uh, don't you know, for- it's not Christmas, it's Thanksgiving. It seems like Christmas with all these gifts you're giving everybody. Well, you know why, Tommy? I'm thankful today. I'm thankful to everybody out there that listens to this podcast, and we give gifts all season long. I mean, we're not, you know, particular to just a couple of holidays, but given that tomorrow is Thanksgiving, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Tommy, for all you do for this podcast. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate, I always appreciate the time with you. <laughs> This review uh, via Apple Podcasts from Mr. Earthman. Mr. Earthman writes, a great podcast, gives us five stars. And this is what he writes. You'll like this one. 
The Kevin Sheehan Show podcast offers insightful sports commentary and engaging discussions, providing a well-rounded analysis of current events. Tom Lavero's contributions add depth, offering a unique perspective that enhances the overall listening experience. And then Mr. Erfman writes, asked chat GTP for a two-sentence review of the podcast to include Tom in it as well. He writes, in all seriousness, this podcast is always worth a listen. Really enjoy the unrelated sports talk as much as I enjoy the WFT talk. Uh, That sounded like a, you know, it sounded like an AI response. It did, but a little bit better than Magic's AI responses. (laughs) It had a little bit more depth to it. Yeah, Washington lost today because they threw three interceptions and fumbled twice. Good luck next game. Um, I like Washington tomorrow. I'm going to tell you why coming up. It's not that I like them to win the game. I like them to cover. Come on, you've listened long enough to know when I say I like Washington tomorrow. It doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) I like them to win the game. Uh, but I do like them to bounce back. Keys to a win over Washington, uh, over Dallas coming up. Tommy's prediction, my prediction for the game. I've got an early smell test for Thanksgiving Day games, uh, and we will get uh, to that uh, as well. Um, I do want to mention Window Nation one more time. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Right now, their offer includes... Two free windows for every two you purchase, plus 0% interest for five years if you want to finance the purchase of new windows. Uh, window Nation's the best. Uh, listening to this podcast will benefit you. You'll get a free estimate, so there's no risk. They're not going to pressure you. They'll give you as much time as you want. You can shop the deal. Their windows will save you big on your winter heating bills, your summer air conditioning bills, and it'll make your home look better. Window Nation's a top five window retailer in America. They're one of the best. They make their windows here locally. They measure them three times to ensure proper fit, which means when they come out to your home to install the windows, they're not coming back. 96% of their installs uh, do not require a follow-up visit. Window Nation's uh, a good group of people. I've been endorsing them for 14 years now. Amazing. Uh, And they've always taken good care of us and our audience, call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Uh, so, uh, you head to Philly tomorrow morning? Yes, I do. Actually, Westchester, suburb of Philly. Right. Uh, at my sister-in-law's house, there'll be about 31 people there, including some new Spanish cousins making the trip over from Madrid. Amazing. A different set. Uh, this is a whole new get-together with a lot of family that I, I don't think you've talked about a lot previously until you went to Spain this summer. Well, we went to Spain among uh, my wife's brothers and sisters. There's seven brothers and sisters. We were the first ones to go to Spain to visit the, their, their family in 1996. Uh, we spent three weeks there with the kids. Uh, and that started like an exchange program of young kids. Um, like they sent a couple of their kids over for summer here or even longer to stay with relatives. Uh, I sent my son over for a summer uh, over to Spain or and I think before his senior year in high school. So we connected like that for a long time. But there was really a lull 
in the uh, number of visits that we made over there. And this was a big one when we the whole family went over there, and we went over for a month in August. So, yeah, I, I enjoy their company. They're they're a fun group. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, it'll be a fun time there. I've got a large group coming over to our home for Thanksgiving. We host every single year. And, you know, everybody's so calm in my house in preparation for this. There's no, there's no anxiety. There's nobody yelling at each other. It's just, it's always so smooth. Are you being facetious or are you being serious? I mean, you know, uh, it's just, it it, it seems like we're handling the pressure like we do every year of having a large group at our home for a holiday with just such ease. And the treatment of one another has been outstanding over the last 24 hours. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I got this morning? This is what I got this morning. Where are you going? Uh, to work? Really? I thought you said you took today off. It's, it's Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. They're playing tomorrow. I, I didn't. You told me you took the day off. And I said, oh I did never. I never said I took this day off. I never said I took this day off. And so. Really? I know you would not say that. I would never say that. I, I think. And I said, no. I, I think you got confused because when we were talking about Christmas weekend, I told you that I had taken the Friday going into that weekend off, and then the day after Christmas off as well, because Christmas is on a Monday um, this year. I said, maybe that is what confused you, and she was convinced that the only person confused (laughs) was me. Um, And I said to her... I'm going to back you. I'm going to back you, because I know you would not say the day before a Thanksgiving game that you were taking the day off. No, I, I, I mean, look, I may have said it accidentally. I mean, I could have said it, and I meant the Christmas, and I said Thanksgiving, you know, the day heading into Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas weekend. Maybe I said Thanksgiving, and so it's possible. So what I said was, look, I, I'm, I'm doing the podcast, and then I'm doing the radio show, and then why don't you give me, you know, just text me the list of everything you need me to do, and it'll be done by 3 p.m. And I'll be home by 3.30 today, and we can sit back, relax, have a couple of cocktails. Everybody's back in town. All three boys are in town now. Um, and we can do whatever you want to do. Uh, that didn't go over really well either. She said, no. Hey, what do you say we go out drinking tonight, all of us? Let's go out drinking. <laughs> Actually, I did like say. Like we used to on Wednesday night before I, Thanksgiving. That's funny, because I said to her, I said, did I because before I, I said send me the list, I, I did say to her, Well, did I tell you that everybody's in town and I'm going out drinking tonight with a bunch of people? And she, she just looked at me and she said, You are kidding, aren't you? On that, I said, Well, I mean, there are a bunch of people getting together, which is true. A lot of friends yeah. are getting together, and I said, No, I, I told them that I uh, couldn't do it. We're, we're hosting, and there's a lot of work to be done to get ready for tomorrow. So there you go. Uh, The other thing, I may have mentioned this to you already, is when Washington plays on Thanksgiving, it just sucks for, you know, for people that don't really care about the game, but they're celebrating with a lot of people that do care about the game. Thanksgiving for us has always been, it's not a buffet where people grab and sit wherever they want. It is a sit-down dinner. 
and it is, you know, um, and and I I enjoy it. Everybody enjoys it, but with the game starting at four thirty, and this is like what the fourth or fifth time this has happened over the last ten or eleven years, um, it's just a pain in the ass for everybody. If you're now for for and the problem is. A lot of the people in my home are going to want to watch the game. And she couldn't care less about the game. I've told you, Kara doesn't, she couldn't care less about sports. I mean, it's probably why it's worked so well for so long. She, the next time she listens to this podcast will be the first time she listens well, to the podcast. I hope it's not tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just, it's not. It, it, so we, I said, you know, what do you want? Why? So why don't we do it either before the game or we'll eat after the game? No, she wants it pretty much at the same time we have it every year, which is right around, five, you know, between 530 and six. She wants everybody to sit right. and, you know, and and she said, you'll just hit pause and we'll have a nice dinner and then everybody can go back and watch the game and you can fast forward to the commercials, which is a, which is what we're going to do. You know what I, I said this year? I just said, great, done. Because What's good for me is I don't have to do the pregame. I haven't done the pregame show now for four four years, whatever it's been, four or five years. That, although one year, 2016, when they played down in Dallas on Thanksgiving, Rigo and I did a pregame show together at a place down in Logan. And I'm forgetting the place. It may have been Adams Morgan. may have been the Blackguard. Um, I, I forget where it was. We did it. And we were hammered. I mean, he like it's it was a four you know it was a four thirty game. The pregame show started at one. We were down there you know twelve thirty, ready to go. And he's like, "I'm gonna get, right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have a couple of beers." And I said, "Well, I'm gonna join you on this Thanksgiving." We had we had a great time doing the show, and then afterwards had to drive back home. But you know what? It was the most peaceful when you were out at like four thirty on Thanksgiving Day. And this was downtown. There wasn't a car on the road, especially given that the Redskins and Cowboys were kicking off in that particular moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever been downtown with with less traffic. Although one of my favorite things to do, Tommy, occasionally is if I'm up early on a Sunday morning, is just to get in my car and drive around D.C. Because it's so peaceful and it's so beautiful. Because it really is a beautiful city. Um, not when there's a yeah. lot of traffic. Uh, that's always a pain in the ass. But um, that was a – so not having to do the pregame show is makes it easier. So we'll just – you know, we're going to pause. And I think by the time we catch up, it'll be, you know, probably synced up live with the game in the late fourth quarter, something like that. Well, you know, your situation pales in comparison to mine over the years. I mean, I go to a house where – Football doesn't exist. Right. It uh, it just doesn't exist. None of my in-laws, uh, the whole family. They, they, I told you they make the Waltons look like a motorcycle gang. <laughs> they they don't care about football. Right. You know, and and nobody nobody would watch it. It just wasn't watched. There was no TV available in the in the immediate vicinity to even watch it. And I've I've dealt with this for years now. The, the Thanksgiving move from my mother and father-in-law's house uh, to my sister-in-law after they passed away, and uh, she had a basement with a TV for a couple years that was available, 
But now they don't have cable. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. They don't have cable. They cut the cord. So. And, and I'm assuming uh, they don't have YouTube TV either. No. So I've taken matters into my own hands, and uh, I've downloaded a device to watch the game on my phone. All right. That's not so, bad. Uh, and and, yeah, so I'll, and I guarantee you, during dinner, people are going to be there. They're going to be people trying to watch their game on the phone, and they're going to be saying what what's going on. And I don't even care about that. Like, I I, I would care if this were a big game um, about knowing what happened before I I watched it. Um, but I don't care this year. But with your group, you, it, that that is, I mean, I think sometimes in the world that we live in, we forget. That most people don't care. You know, the numbers for the game tomorrow will be, you know, whatever it'll be. 40 million people will watch the game tomorrow. Um, there are 340 million people in this country, right? Isn't that the, the current population? Is that the current U.S. population? Somewhere around there. I think so. Um, so most people actually don't care about the games tomorrow. Even though football and Thanksgiving sort of go together, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, thank you for the review. Uh, please rate us and review us if you haven't done it. Uh, it's real simple. You could pause this podcast right now on Apple, give us five stars, write a quick one to two sentence review, maybe ask AI to do it for you. Um, and it'll generate something similar to the one that we just read. Uh, and uh, also subscribe and follow us um, wherever possible. For those of you that had issues the last couple of days with Spotify, that was a Spotify issue. Uh, if that was us, I would tell you, tell you it was us. Um, but many of you listen on, on Spotify, and Spotify had major issues with podcasts over the last couple of days. Just remember, you can always listen at thekevinsheehanshow.com. Um, that's why that website is there for those people that don't want to listen on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else, or if there are issues with Apple or Spotify, you can always go to the website and the show is right there. All right. Uh, what else on Thanksgiving? Anything else? I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Much less. Well, it used to be when, when I lived in the Poconos, when I went to high school, it was called Turkey Day because the big football game between Stroudsburg and East Stroudsburg right. took place on Thanksgiving morning at like at 10 o'clock. And it was like, like Woodstock, you know, for, for the two towns. I mean, everybody came. And, you know, they played for the little brown jug, this little trophy. And it was a real intense rivalry. And, like, if, if, if let's say if Stroudsburg, if East Stroudsburg beat Stroudsburg and Stroudsburg the whole team would walk or would march from Stroudsburg High School three miles after the game to East Stroudsburg High School oh, wow. with thousands of people following them. What about Rudy's? A, would, Rudy's a, would Rudy's be packed after the game? Oh, oh, be packed. I, God, I wish I was at Rudy's tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I wish I were at Rudy's with you tonight. That would be a lot more fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. Uh, Rudy's Tavern, don't forget about it. East Stroudsburg, Tommy's favorite. Uh, all right. Yes. Uh, that, the, whole, the high school football game and rivalry, is with, those things have always been 
um, kind of cool on Thanksgiving as well. Uh, a lot of people have yeah, their own traditions. They yep. They don't play it anymore because it complicated uh, uh, high school playoffs as as they grew. So they play Stroudsburg, and East Stroudsburg does not play on Thanksgiving anymore. And there's a lot of people that are still very disappointed about that. I think I told you that for many years, my high school friends, we had a softball game the day after Thanksgiving. The Friday after Thanksgiving, there was an annual softball game that lasted for 10 years after we got out of high school. And then it extended even longer than that with a lot of people that actually didn't even go to high school with us but it became kind of a popular game for for people that just heard about it to jump in but it was a keg at home plate and you had to chug a beer every single time you got up so let's just say that by the third or fourth inning the game started to deteriorate but it became a lot of fun and then we would all hang out all you know Friday Friday night and the thing would typically, you know, roll into early Saturday morning many years, too. Um, but it wasn't a football tradition. It was a softball game tradition, which was so much fun. In fact, a bunch of um, friends are getting together this weekend, and I texted to the group. I said, well, if we're going to get together Friday night, um, are we going to do it? we got to do it later because the game starts at 1. Our softball game starts at 1. And then the memories started about the softball game. Um, man, there yeah. were there were several of those day after Thanksgivings that I don't remember how I got home. It was fun though; it was worth it. All right, uh, Washington beats Dallas. If I'll give you my keys to an upset win on Thanksgiving Day when we come back, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. 
Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Tommy, tell us about Shelly's. Well, on Thanksgiving Day, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, I want to extend a hearty thank you to Shelly's Back Room for being basically the, the oasis that it is. Uh, it's the only place in Washington, D.C. where you can enjoy a drink, some good food, and a cigar. Now, that's something to be thankful for. I want to thank Bob Matarazzi, the owner, for providing such an oasis for everybody. It's almost like, it's almost not a business, it's almost a public service, what he does. Okay? I want to thank Tony, the bartender, for all the Sierra Nevadas he serves me. Uh, I want to thank the cook for those great chicken tenders I get when I get there. You know, I want to thank my buddies at Shelly's, you know, Keith and Justin and, 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 uh, and Jonathan and the rest of the guys. Uh, when you walk into Shelly's, you leave feeling very thankful. Thankful for the experience. Thankful for the camaraderie. Thankful for the time you just had because you can't do it anyplace else in Washington. So happy Thanksgiving and thank you to Shelly's Backroom, Shelly'sBackroom.com for more information. Happy Thanksgiving, Bob, uh, and everybody down in Shelly's. And thanks, Bob, for all of your support of this podcast. Um, All right. So tomorrow, Washington at Dallas. I know a lot of people are now in the mode of, look, let's try to get a top five pick. You know, As of today, Tommy, they would have the seventh pick in the draft. They've got a really good chance to have a top three pick. They're only a game out of that. Um, and look at their schedule. I mean, you know, we're now at that point, unless there are massive injuries, they're going to be a big underdog as they are to Dallas tomorrow. They'll probably be a, a massive underdog to the 49ers. And, and the Dolphins, you know, in Washington will be every bit of a seven to eight point um, favorite. They probably will be an underdog against the Rams on the road. And who knows about the Jets on Christmas Eve, uh, especially if Aaron Rodgers is back in playing, which I don't anticipate because yeah. I think the Jets will probably be out of it uh, at that point. But um, we're still going to do our thing here, uh, and that is make predictions on the game and talk about you know how they'd be able to pull it off. Um, I didn't realize something about tomorrow's game. Dallas has won 12 straight games at home. That's their, It's tied for their longest win streak at home in franchise history. Really? Yeah, didn't realize that. Um, not to mention that most of the games that they've played at home have been lopsided. I mean, this year... They beat the Jets at home 30 to 10. They beat the Patriots at home 38 to 3. They beat the Rams at home 43 to 20. They beat the Giants at home 49 to 17. Yeah, that's the same giant team that Washington just lost to. Um, uh, last year, they beat the Eagles and scored 40 points uh, in a home game. They scored 54 in a home win over Indianapolis last year. They've been rolling at home. Now, you know, I just mentioned some teams that weren't necessarily great that they've beaten. The Philadelphia team that they beat last year and scored 40 against had Gardner Minshew at quarterback, not Jalen Hurts. Um, But whatever. Uh, 
Dallas has been rolling at home. Uh, they're comfortable at home right now. They're playing pretty good football, albeit, you know, they have seven wins, and their wins are over the Giants twice, the Jets, the Patriots, the Rams, uh, Carolina, and the Chargers is the one game that they won against a decent team, but that team's got a losing record. The Chargers do. You know, the, the games that they've lost are to the 49ers and the Eagles, and they lost that game early in the year to Arizona. So, um, well, fortunately for them, they're playing a team just like those teams. <laughs> All right, so how does Washington beat Dallas tomorrow? I actually just want to start with, I expect them, and I know you made fun of me the other day, I expect them – to bounce back and play well. There's no reason to believe that uh, after what we've seen or what we saw on Sunday other than they've done it multiple times this year. Um, And so I, you know, off of the Chicago game, they played well at Atlanta. Off of the first giant game, they played well at Philadelphia. Uh, So I think short week, both teams – you know, holiday week, Cowboys feeling maybe a little bit overconfident, Washington being a super hungry team at this point. I think Washington's got a chance to play well. The matchup's not a great matchup for Washington. It, it yeah. isn't. The, the Philadelphia matchup seems to be better for Washington, in part because I think Philadelphia's secondary, even though Patrick Mahomes didn't rip into it the other night, although he did have multiple drop passes, um, Washington just seems to be able to throw the football against Philadelphia. I'll start with this, and it starts on offense um, this week because Dallas is so disruptive defensively. They they have the ability to not only turn you over but score and score a lot. Deron Bland has four pick sixes on the season. That's tied for the most in NFL history. Tommy, do you know who he's tied with for four pick sixes in one season? D'Angelo Hall? No. That's a good guess, though. Ken Houston. Ken Houston. Oh, one of my guys. He had had four pick sixes as a Houston Oiler in 1971. That was two years before he arrived in Washington. Um, Dallas will turn you over. They will score. Uh, Their pass rush is fierce, so the first thing that has to happen is that Washington has to do everything possible to protect disastrous plays on offense. Uh, I'm not advocating some sort of conservative run-first mentality and and don't be afraid to punt. No, because you've got to score in this game. But everything they've done over the last four weeks, including against the Giants, has to be their mode of operation tomorrow. It's got to be a lot of quick game. It's got to be a lot of bubble screens, traditional screens. I do think they've got to try to run the football against Dallas. Dallas is mid pack uh, in the NFL as a rush defense. In fact, you pointed this out, I believe. You pointed out 
that, you know, um, in the game against the Giants that they won 49 to 17, Saquon Barkley averaged over five yards per carry. And you were like, why didn't they run the football more? I don't know why. The game got sideways, which meant they had to throw the football. That's part of it. But even Carolina last week, and they got demolished by Dallas. They averaged 4.8 yards per carry. Miles Sanders was 11 for 50, um, and Chuba Hubbard was 10 for 57. You know, it was Bryce Young's two carries for three yards that brought the average down from, you know, right around 5.2 yards per carry. So I'm not, you're not going to get, I don't think, you know, Eric Bianami to say, oh, we're going to line it up. You know, we're going to go. Uh, we're, we're going to go with um, you know 13 personnel, uh, one back, three tight ends, and we're going to ram it down their throat. You're not, you're not going to get that from them. But you got more running last week. I think you'll get more attempts to run this week, and you have to go with the short game. You start – or the quick game. You start dropping this quarterback back against Dallas's defense, there are going to be multiple house calls. Multiple. Uh, I'm not saying pick sixes, but there will be a backside hit by Parsons and that ball will be loose and somebody will be picking it up and high-stepping it into the end zone. This cannot be some sort of uh, you know, Arizona game plan or giant game plan that from that first game or any of the, the drop back ain't going to work. Third and 13, throw a bubble screen. Third and 13, run a draw. Uh, but it's quick game. It's run including the run this week because Dallas does have some vulnerability to the run um, and protect your quarterback from getting hit six, seven times and sacked six or seven times or throwing a couple of dead ducks up in the air after his arm gets hit uh, by number 11. So that's number one. Number two is, and this is a, a theme also from the last several weeks, you have got to not give up the big play. And to me, this is the ultimate bend-don't-break game. You, you, you can give Dallas whatever they want between the 20s and then inside the 20, try to hold them to a field goal. But they will hit you with the big play. All right, Prescott has really made a jump here over the last several weeks, and CeeDee Lamb is having the best year of his career. Uh, I've said over the last couple of years, I think CeeDee Lamb's the one that's overrated in terms of the receivers that are ranked in front of Terry on a lot of lists. I was wrong on that. CeeDee Lamb is a really lethal receiver and so good uh, at, at creating space and then with the ball in his hands. He already has, through 10 games, 74 catches, and he's already over 1,000 yards in 10 games. So this has to be for the the defense that's given up 88 explosives this year, all right? Passes of 16 yards or longer, runs of 12 yards or longer, 65 passes of 16 16 yards or longer, and those pass plays that they've given up, 26.9 yards per play. This has to be the ultimate bend-don't-break. If you want to win the game, look, Jack may say, look, this is my last game anyway. I'm going for it. We're sending everybody. Cody Barton is back. He's going to play. We're sending him and Jamin on every play. We're sending Cam Curl. Let's see if Dak can handle it. You know, because Dak will give you a chance a couple of times per game. He threw a bad ball against the Giants uh, two weeks ago. 
Um, but really, if this were a game of significance, like you had to have, this is the, we're sitting back, we're playing coverage, we're playing everything underneath, and then after the, you know, Ben don't break, don't give up the explosive, the next thing on the list is you have to tackle well. You've got to tackle well in space when you play that way. Um, because we've seen the Cowboys break a lot of tackles against this team in recent years and get too many yards after first contact. So quick game offensively, work some run into it. Um, it's the only way to attack Dallas. A dropback uh, game is a disaster. Defensively, you can't give up the explosives. So play not to give up the explosives. Um, and then lastly, you know, Dallas leads the league in takeaways with 21. Um, this is, you know, how they've made, you know, a, a lot of these games get completely out of hand. Going back to the opener, you know, where they had a defensive touchdown and they had uh, a blocked field goal against the Giants. And before you knew it, it was like 27 to nothing and the route was on. If Washington's going to hang in there and have a chance, they can't self-destruct. This is not a team capable, as we saw last week, against bad teams of self-destructing and having a chance to win. Six turnovers in a game. If there's a if there's a minus three in this game, it's thirty-eight to seven. All right, a minus two is probably thirty-one to ten. Um, so this has to be a game in which you don't give anything and you're going to have to take some of it back. You're going to have to get some breaks. Um, I think Washington loses this game, Tommy, but I think it's closer than people think. 27-19 to Dallas. So Washington covers plus the 10.5. 27-19 Cowboys. What do you have? Well, you know, what's interesting, in the last time that Dallas beat Washington, Dallas has only beaten, Washington's only beaten Dallas on Thanksgiving two times. Correct. In the ten times that they played. Right, including one and under Ron Rivera. Actually, right, and that, that may be Alex Smith's greatest gift, even though he didn't have a great game. He was the quarterback when they won 41-16 yeah. in 2020. Uh, and I went back and, and read something about that game. And, you know, Antonio Gibson had 115 yards rushing on 20 carries. Yeah, he was great. And three touchdowns. Yep. What happened to that Antonio Gibson? Well, that was the stretch. Where's that guy? Yeah, the, the, there were two straight years of, of that stretch where they got, you know, they got run first, you know, you know heavy run, heavy time of possession, and a lot of Antonio Gibson. Um, he had some really yeah. good games. I think both of the games they played against the Cowboys that year, he went for 100-plus. Yeah, so, and, and they've got a bull in Brian Robinson Jr. The guy's a bull. Yeah. He hasn't shown that he, that he can be stopped for less than four yards of carry in a game, basically. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I know they're not going to go run, 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 but you're absolutely right. They have to run the ball for no other reason to keep Dallas from having the ball to be able to score. That's one way to stop a good offense is they don't get, they don't get the ball. So, but I don't know if that's, it. that's in the DNA of the coaches on the sideline. I mean, it, you know, they, the running has, has increased. Like, you're right, they ran more 
last week and, and the week before. Uh, and you would think that they would this week, okay, because the chances of, like Bear Bryant once said, uh, when you throw the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad. I thought that was George Allen who said that. Well, I think it was Bear Bryant, okay. but uh, I tell you what, I said it. How's you, that? <laughs> that's even better. I said it. Less believable, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you were the one that said it back in 68. Yes. And uh, so I think, I think there's something too merited that in a game like this. Because you're right, that this, this is setting up to be a turnover disaster for this team. Uh, you know, I mean, if, if, they, if they drop Sam Howell, everything you said is right. If they drop him back, there's a very good chance that there's at least one fumble, one interception, or more out of, out of that scenario from a very good Dallas pass rush and one of the great pass rushers in the league in Micah Parsons. On the other side of the ball, I think C.D. Lamb goes for 150 yards if receptions. Yeah. I mean, they, could, they, couldn't, they couldn't cover the Giants receivers, you know? I mean, there would have to be, for you to even make this a competitive game like you think it would be, there would have to be a transformation. Of the <laughs> I know. Literally. Well, you know, they, they weren't supposed to be, the Giants weren't supposed to be competitive against Washington last week. Look, I know. Look, look what happened. But we think the Giants have good coaches, okay? Yeah. We think Wink Martindale is a great defensive coordinator, and I think that Brian Dable is a pretty good head coach. So uh, we don't think that on the, on, on the Washington sideline. Right. Yep. Um, so if, if I'm going to give a score, yeah, I'm going to say 36-20 Dallas. 36-20 Cowboys. All right. Uh, you know, this is also, and I talked to Sam Fortier about this on the show yesterday, um, this is a big spot for Sam Howell. And the whole conversation of Sam Howell and the entire evaluation of Sam Howell you know, there's going to be if Washington, you know, goes one and five down the stretch, something like that, um, and they end up with a top five-ish kind of a pick. You know, it, it the conversation about what to do with that top five pick is going to be based on what happens in these last six games. And this is the best defense that Washington has faced all year long. It's really not close. Dallas is the number three DVOA defense in the league. I mean, to give you an idea, uh, the only uh, the the defensive teams um, rankings of the teams Washington's played: Denver's thirty second, Arizona's thirty first, the Giants are twenty seventh, Atlanta's now twenty sixth in defensive DOA. Um, they played uh, Seattle, who's nineteenth. They played Philadelphia twice, who's seventeenth. Um, they played Buffalo, who's now, this isn't fair because Buffalo was healthier when they played Washington, but they're now 15th. New England's 14th. Dallas is third, okay, third uh, per the, the DVOA metric on defense. So short week, bad, you know, overall game for the team, not Sam's best effort by a long shot on Sunday against the Giants. This is a big spot for him. I, I don't know if there's a major downside for him, Tommy, like, if he doesn't play well, it's sort of expected against Dallas. But if he plays well like he did against Philadelphia twice 
and they score, let's just say, 28-plus points. They scored 31 twice against Philadelphia, against that defense on the road, and they put up 400-plus yards, and he throws for 340 in a game that's competitive. That's a big feather in his cap. You know, that'll be a game that we'll remember, especially if they have a chance to win it. I think this is a real big yeah. spot for him in the conversation uh, about Sam Howell. Um, but th- only yeah. But only if he does well, like you just pointed out. Yeah. If he does poorly, people will say, well, what chance did he have? I think that's true. You know? So maybe it's not yeah. it's it's not a big spot as in there's a downside. It's a big opportunity for him. It, this is yes. a chance for him to really kind of cement, you know, well, a lot of my, minds have already been cemented on Sam Howell. But for those that are sort of leaning a little bit towards Sam Howell, if he goes into Dallas tomorrow and puts up a 300-yard game and he's 30, you know, 33 of 44 for 350, 37 and three touchdowns and they lose 31 to 28 or 34 to 31 like they did in Philadelphia that will be a memorable day for him I mean usually it's based on what Colt McCoy did you know because Colt McCoy that night was 25 of 30 uh, against the Cowboys that night and they won the game like if he pulls off a win tomorrow it would be huge for him Um, yes you're not expecting him to play well are you I, no, and through no fault of his own. Right. I just don't think he has what he needs uh, around him in order to play well. Hey, uh, Eric Bianami, <laughs> give Charles Leno some help. Uh, give your tackles some help with Micah Parsons tomorrow, please. All right, uh, we'll finish up with a smell test um, and a couple of other things that happened in sports, including what Tom Brady said about today's NFL. Uh, We'll get to all of those things right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. The smell test brought to you by my bookie. Thanksgiving is one of our favorite holidays here on the podcast. Good food, boosted bets. 
and Turkey Day parlays. This year, you can celebrate by stuffing your pockets with MyBookie's biggest sportsbook bonus ever, a 110% deposit match on your first deposit. This is the identical offer that they put out for us for about three or four weeks after Washington started the season 2-0. and Remember that? Remember when that happened? Um, that They're doing it again. So you deposit 1000 bucks, they're going to put $1,100 of additional cash into your account. You'll have 21 100 to gamble with. If you deposit 100 bucks, you'll have another 110, so you'll have $210 in your account to bet with. Uh, more than double your money before you even make your first bet with my bookie. This is a very generous offer. It's being made only only to my listeners. You've got to go to mybookie.ag and you've got to use my promo code Kevin DC, not Kevin S980, which apparently several of you have used, not Kevin S DC. Kevin DC is the promo code, and you will get access to that offer. It's not an offer you're going to find on my bookie site. It's only for my listeners. Uh, mybookie.ag promo code Kevin DC for a more than doubling of your money on your initial deposit. My bookie right now has Washington at plus 10 and a half. I do see some plus 11s out there. Um, but for the smell test for just tomorrow, and I'll have a much bigger smell test on Friday. Believe it or not, Tommy, this is the last regular season week in college football. Um, amazing. Uh, Washington uh, and Dallas, uh, that is going to be a pick. But I'm going to lead off with Green Bay plus 7.5 at Detroit. The Lions are 8-2. and two. They had to come back against Chicago uh, on Sunday. Uh, that game was at home as well. They were down two scores. Jared Goff threw three interceptions in that game. This is as pumped up a Detroit Thanksgiving Day game as we've seen in a long time. You know, all the people that wanted Tommy Detroit not to have that first game because they've always been so bad. Well, they're 8-2 and two this year. You're going to watch one of the best teams in the NFL, but they are giving seven and a half, and the public loves Detroit in this game. It would not shock me to see this line come down to seven. So if you're going to play the Packers, play it now. I, I, that's my sense of it. I think there will be some sharp money on Green Bay. I could be wrong. Just a gut. Haven't learned that from uh, anybody uh, that I talked to. Uh, but Green Bay plus the seven and a half tomorrow in the early game. I've already mentioned that Washington was going to be in the smell test all week. I'm 4-0 on games involving Washington this year in the smell test. Uh, Arizona uh, in week one, um, the two giant games, and then Washington against Seattle. So I've had Washington once, and I've had their opponent three times, and I'm 4-0 in those games in the smell test. Uh, I've got Washington plus the 10 and a half. Search for some plus 11s out there um, uh, because that's, you know, a big number. You know, you don't want to lose, you know, 28-17 and you're getting 10 and a half. Uh, but um, 10 and a half Washington with the points is a smell test pick. Those are the two Thanksgiving Day smell test selections. Uh, I do not like Mississippi State. Several of you um, said Mississippi State's going to be in your smell test in the 
um, in the Egg Bowl uh, tomorrow night. I don't like Mississippi State. There is public action on Ole Miss, but there's also sharp action on Ole Miss as well. So there you go. Green Bay plus 7.5, Washington plus 10.5. Isn't it nice, Tommy, to have a couple of dogs on Turkey Day? Uh, that Absolutely. Much better taking dogs. It's a lot more fun to root for underdogs when you're getting points. Uh, it is a much better feeling uh, to know that you're starting up 10.5 when the game begins. Uh, I want to, Tommy, get to what Tom Brady said to Stephen A. Smith um, to finish up the show here in a moment. But there was a tweet that I meant to read earlier in the show that I wanted to read. Um, and it also gives me an opportunity to kind of ask you the same thing. But Anthony tweeted me and said, Kevin, Sam Howell's interception and sack totals would have never influenced my decision on Sam Howell. It's wins and losses with a starting quarterback in this franchise, and he is 4-7 and seven as a starter. Uh, these final six games will determine for me whether or not it makes sense to bring Sam back. Um, thank you, Anthony, uh, for that. Uh, so, Tommy, I mentioned yesterday that if I had told all of you before the Arizona game, the opener in September, that through 11 games, Sam Howe was going to lead the league in interceptions and lead the league in sacks taken, would you have thought that he would have still been the starting quarterback? Oh, no, no. But that speaks to one of the things to like about Sam Howe is he, he has, he has he's, he's tremendously tough. He doesn't, I mean, usually people and quarterbacks in those situations usually fold under the pressure, you know? I mean, most do. I mean, if they're constantly under, under duress, if they're constantly throwing interceptions, it, it begates more mistakes. It, it, it leads to more mistakes. That doesn't happen with him. That's one of the really good things about him. It says, I'm, I'm impressed with his mentality and outlook the, all the way down the line. When he does interviews, they're pretty bland. But you don't get one nugget of frustration or, or anger or, or obnoxious. You don't get anything out of him. I mean, he says all the right things at all the right times. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't you know, he's not flustered when he does. He's got tremendous composure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. He seems to be unbothered uh, by um, almost anything, certainly professionally. So I wanted to finish up the show with this, and that is Tom Brady was uh, on the Stephen A. Smith show yesterday, uh, and he was talking about the current level of play in the NFL, which includes right now for the fourth consecutive season a decline in scoring. Teams are... Uh, averaging just 43.3 points per game. That's down from 43.8 last season, from 45.9 in 2021. Uh, 2020, the COVID year, was the highest scoring season we've seen in a long time. And the reasons were obvious. There was no home field advantage, no threat to the traveling team, the road team with crowd noise, etc., um, but anyway, the league's on pace for its lowest scoring season on average since 2009. And so Brady said the following, quote, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. I think the coaching isn't as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. I don't think the schemes 
are as good as they were. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. Uh, Do you agree with him? I think there's some validity to what he says. Uh, And I would take it much a step further. I think it's that way across the board. I, I don't think the, game, the, uh, the NBA game is as good as it used to be. No, here comes I certainly game. don't think the Major League Baseball game is as good as it used to be. Uh, we have athletes that are bigger, stronger, and faster, but the style of the games, the aesthetics of the actual games are not as good. I, I, agree, I agree with him like that. I mean, basketball and the aesthetics of the game are not as good as they used to be. Baseball certainly with all the strikeouts, I mean, they had to, they had to, and they had to institute changes uh, to create more offense uh, in the game. And the NFL, with so many uh, rules benefiting the offensive players, should not be experiencing a scoring drop. So I think that while athletes themselves have improved, the games they played have declined. And I don't know what the answer is. You mean you didn't enjoy Indiana's 157-152 win over Atlanta last night in the NBA? One of the highest-scoring games in NBA history? Um, who's, that kid who play, who's that guy who plays for Halliburton. Indiana? Halliburton's really good. Yeah, He's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty good. So, uh, where do I start? This Let's keep it to the NFL, because I don't want to get into an NBA and basketball conversation with you today, the, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, when we should just be thankful for each other and, our, and the company that we have um, in one another. Look, this year, there have been a lot of injuries to quarterbacks. Um, that's one of the headlines of this season. You know, it started with the first Monday night game of the year with Aaron Rodgers. You know, Joe Burrow's gone. Uh, Kirk Cousins is gone. Uh, in Cleveland, a, a good team, and I'm not saying Deshaun Watson was playing at a high level, but Deshaun Watson's gone. You know, we've had a lot of, you know, teams that potentially would have been scoring at a higher level, um, not scoring at a higher level because of injuries to key players. We have that, you know, in most seasons, it seems to be a little bit more this year. Um, I also have seen, and I actually had Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus, who actually is an excellent guest on the radio show yesterday, and we talked about the subject of scoring in particular, and he said, look, defenses have adjusted um, to some of the offensive schemes, but he pointed out the quarterbacks, too, in the injuries, which is, uh, I think, a major factor in the actual scoring. Um, And even the look of some of these games being less aesthetically pleasing um, than what we've seen. Um, But, you know, he mentioned something that I think makes a lot of sense. You know where play has really declined? Offensive line play has declined. Offensive uh, line play has declined, I think, for a few reasons. Number one is we've had a lot of injuries to offensive linemen in particular. You know, the more throws, the more... Um, that you you have a quarterback dropping back, the more you know offensive linemen are in that pass pro mode. Um, there's more activity around the quarterback. There's more people rolling into knees and rolling into legs. It's so rare for a team to start a season with five offensive linemen and finish the season with those same five offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. it's more than that. I mean. It, it's the one unit that t- – it's because it's the largest unit, right? Five players, offensive line, no other unit on the team has five 
you know, starting players in the unit. But you just end up with an incredible injury rate to offensive linemen. And then the other part of it, and I think is a, a really good point that Sam made, the offensive linemen in college, you know, are just playing. They play, they play differently than they do in the pros. Now we've seen more of the college game come to the NFL in terms of offensive scheme, but the offensive line, especially in true spread offenses, is much different than in the NFL. Even the RPO game in the in college is different than it is in the NFL because they allow three yards downfield before ineligible men downfield versus the one in the NFL. But what that has resulted in is a very difficult time evaluating offensive line uh, players coming out in the draft. It's much harder in today's game uh, to evaluate, in today's football, to evaluate offensive linemen. It's really hard to evaluate quarterbacks, as we know, but it's very difficult to evaluate offensive line play. And I think the offensive line play, because of injuries and the, the, the fact that it's hard to evaluate these players, has declined as well. Um, it may be part of the reason that quarterbacks are getting injured uh, uh, more often, although we've had some non-contact you know, injuries uh, as well um, with, uh, with some of the injuries. Um, you know, see, you know whose Achilles injury was non-contact uh, in Minnesota. But I don't know. The games are still exciting to me. Uh, I, I don't mind hard-hitting defensive games. I never have. The one thing I totally agree with Brady on is I do think, and I think I've, we've talked about this for years now, I do think that the rules um, are you know, creating an environment where the game is much different, but we've seen that coming for years. They have legislated the big hit out of the NFL for the most part. They've made it much harder for defensive secondary players to cover and to tackle. Um, it is much harder for defensive pass rushers to sack a quarterback without being penalized. And I hate that part of the NFL. And every time I see it every Sunday, it's the same reaction many of you have. It's like, are you serious? That's a good football play. That's not a penalty. Stop. You're ruining the game. We say that every weekend, at least a couple of times watching football. Um, Yet, People keep watching. The numbers keep going higher. Uh, People love it uh, as much as they ever have. But from a rule standpoint, I agree with it. The scheme thing I think was interesting from Brady. I think the schemes offensively are much more creative than they've ever been. Much more creative uh, with, you know, guys like Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and others in the league. Um, But – I, I still love watching football. It's not turned me off from watching it um, if it is a, a lesser game. Okay. Yeah, one thing, though, uh, I don't think the NFL is crazy about one of their potential owners uh, saying their product sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he kind of said that. Yeah. I mean, calling yeah. it a lot of mediocrity um, and yeah. uh, not as good as it's been. I don't know. He's, you know what? He's not a player that retired at 35. He's a player that retired at 45. So it is a little bit of old man get off my lawn talk too, uh, because he is an older gentleman at this point uh, for right. for being an athlete, a professional athlete. All right, uh, right. you got anything which means else? He has more, which means he has much more of a wealth of knowledge and experience to pick from 
than uh, the bozos who just say, get off my lawn. Well, that's that's one way to look at it. And the other way is to say this is, you know, ne- things are never going to be as good as they once were for a lot of people who are older. Um, I want to see adult way. I want to see child way. <laughs> well, no, I think, yeah. they're, I think they both have merit. Uh, I'm usually with you. Um, on a lot of this, uh, as far as the game used to be better because of A, B, and C. Um, but I still think the game's pretty good. I think it's still a pretty good game. I think actually college football in many ways uh, has gotten even better uh, over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, it's probably more than that. I mean, this has been a hell of a college football season. Uh, and I will have a lot of college football plays, including, more likely than not, a smell test pick on the biggest game of the year, Ohio State and Michigan, on Saturday. All right, you got anything else? Nothing else for you, boss. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. I will not be here tomorrow. Uh <laughs> I can promise you I didn't tell my wife I was working on Thursday on Thanksgiving Day, but I'll be back Friday with a recap of tomorrow's game. Happy Thanksgiving. Allen is the deep back and shooter back to throw. Has a man wide open. It's Henry Allen. Touchdown. This is what makes it a great game is when you go out there and you kick it off, you have no idea what's going to happen because both sides have to go out and play the game. And today the Redskins played better than the Cowboys. North Turner comes out of Dallas victorious. Twice this year, his Redskins have beaten the Dallas Cowboys. A dejected Emmett Smith. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.